Hey, welcome! Thanks for tuning in! This is There's Something About Artbeats, a podcast where I discuss with experts and industry leaders about the many sides of the artbeats industry. I'm your host, Federico Biancullo. I am an artbeats artist, founder of The Big Picture, blogger and content creator in the field of architectural representation. I'm on a journey to learn more on all things about artbeats, art direction, business, technology, you name it. And I would like you to be a part of this journey as well. Through these conversations, my hope is to bring light to not so obvious topics connected to our industry and help you grow as a professional, as an artist, and why not, as a human being as well. So please join me. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode of There's Something About Artbeats. Hello friends, welcome to the latest episode of There's Something About Arquis. Yes, it's been quite a while since I released an episode, but do not worry, I'm not running anywhere with the podcast. In fact, I've got a couple of very interesting interviews lined up and a lot of ideas and topics planned for the near future. Truth is that these last couple of months have been very busy following a very special project. I cannot say much about that yet, however, The moment that I can go public with this draws nearer and nearer and I can't wait to announce it. So expect a special episode pretty soon and perhaps, yes, even a YouTube video, but just stick around and stay tuned for more. End of public service announcement, let's talk about today's episode. As a consequence of the pandemic, in the last two years, several industries went through a proper paradigm shift. Yes, COVID's still around, but we've come to terms with it and life is slowly going back to normal. The job market was deeply affected by the pandemic. Many have started reevaluating their priorities, quit their old jobs, and perhaps shifted careers, starting the so-called Great Resignation. Today, however, I'm going to focus on another hot topic connected to the job market, especially in Arcvis, which is the whole working from home debate. Our industry has very mixed stances when it comes to remote work. I've had many conversations about that these two years and heard many different opinions, and I've been setting up my own office myself way before the pandemic started. However, today I'm giving the spotlight to Massimiliano Napoli, head of Still Images Production at Diorama. Diorama is a Milanese Arcvis firm, which is set up more as a production house rather than an Arcvis studio, and as such it relies a lot on freelance work power. Diorama has always looked at remote work as a feasible business model, but the pandemic has definitely pushed them to completely ditch the physical office and go full remote. In this episode, we go deeper into it, we discuss the lessons that Diorama has learned from the pandemic in managing remote work, but we also discuss its limitations when it comes to, for example, integrating junior and entry-level artists. We also go through a few info on their technical setup for remote work and talk a lot about teamwork and the power of freelancing connected to their business model. So that's all from me, I'll leave you to Massimiliano's words. Enjoy this episode. We talked for an hour before starting the recording. A little bit of a rehearsal. <laughs> kind of a rehearsal, yes. You told me that Diorama is basically full remote right now, since the pandemic. Yeah, since the pandemic, we are pursuing this idea of being a cloud office. This is an interesting idea I'm, I'm trying to think about, is having people working remotely from everywhere. That doesn't mean working from home, because it's, it's a little bit different in terms of situation. But having the possibility to open the doors of Diorama all around the world, uh, all around the Europe, because sometimes you need also to think about time zones. Uh, working with six, seven hours of different time zones can be hard. In some projects, can be like the solution. 
But it's something, yes, that we are trying to dig deep a little bit more. And we had these two years trying to make a labor limb on it, like trying to refine a little bit more. I think the listeners are curious to know more about you and your role at the office at Diorama. Also knowing about your personal opinions about remote work, smart working, as they call it, and how you reacted to the pandemic. Let's talk about you beforehand. I'm with Diorama since the beginning, and, and actually now I'm uh, the head of department from the still images department, because it, during the years we started to think about Diorama a little bit more like a CG production house than an archivist studio. And so we are starting also to separate it a little bit more in department with people responsible for each department uh, to give them a little bit of structure. So at the moment, I'm in charge of the steel images department. And um, that's it. It's a long story. And at the same time, it's a short story with you know, because six years is nothing in terms of time. During this six year, I had, I had the chance to have different roles in the company and to uh, meet a lot of people to start discovering a little bit more about uh, myself, my capabilities, and also the solution for that. And the, the result of that was having me taking this place and say, okay, guys, I love this job. I love also this kind of uh, production management side of the work that is, I think is really important because it gives the team you lead the certainty and the safety to have someone that can take care of important stuff. And so you can, as a team member, you can really think about artistic stuff, composition. You don't have to worry about an email that just arrived. You can also, in some ways, uh, you can detach yourself from the production, meaning that you can detach yourself more than, than production from the, from the management. And so you can really focus without any distraction on what you do, on the job you do, on the image you are producing in my specific case, but in, in other departments, it's maybe the film, uh, the communication images or uh, the business development. And were you already in this role when the pandemic happened? Kind of, because it was a little bit of transition between the role of a production manager, because we are starting to have this role inside the team that in other offices, I know other offices that have the same role in other companies, this is called like project manager. But for us, the production manager is uh, someone that is really in charge of the project itself. So it takes all the relation with the client, he collects all the information about the project. It's the guy or the girl who have all the information or, or the answer that the team can have. And maybe, of course, those kind of roles are people that started working with us as a 3D artist, maybe junior or mid or senior, depending on the role when they arrived, but are people that started to think a little bit more in the Orama vision. And so they started also to have this kind of flexibility to understand a little bit more our clients, understand a little bit more our style, our vision. And so for them, it's super easy to analyze a brief or to analyze a comment and have quick and, and fast answer of it. And so when, when the pandemic started, I was making this transition between the production management and something that was a little bit more structured as a head of department, because we, it's super strange, but during the pandemic, we grew a lot as an office. This is a little bit controversial because we had the chance, unfortunately for other companies, to take all the work that uh, other companies weren't able to do. And so we needed a lot of artists to work with. And so we started to have more and more projects. We needed to manage this. And to manage this, we needed to structure ourselves a little bit more. And from that point of view, 
the decision to really divide the production in department. So having each one of these apartments with uh, someone really in charge of everything that is related to this, like hiring new people, recruitment, managing the planning for all the projects. So trying to also discharge the production managers of all the responsibilities that are on top of the project itself. Because of course, on a project, you have a lot of responsibilities. If you have five projects, those responsibilities multiply by five. And so when you have 10, 20 projects, it's impossible to manage by yourself. So you need someone that have the fresh mind to say, okay, we can fix the planning in this way. We need to hire a new guy, or we need to try to find someone that is specializing in doing a specific task. I don't know, a landscaping war machine, uh, a texture or a set designer for a specific interior project. It's a very structured approach, but I want to focus a bit more about the early stages of the pandemic, the stage in which everything was total chaos and nobody knew what to do. So I guess you didn't have the clear overview of what was happening at the moment. So I guess that what you said so far happened in the second stage of the pandemic. Yeah. All this decision we made, all this kind of structure we were able to put on were two years of testing and having problems and understanding how this can work. Um, at the beginning, you asked me what I think about remote work. Now we are speaking and I'm home, I'm working and uh, I'm no more in Milan because I was based in Milan when the pandemic started. I now moved to Modena, that is a smaller city. And uh, my life changed in a better way. And the life of, I guess, of uh, all the people in our team changed in a better way. So to answer your question really quickly, I'm a super fan of remote work. And I'm, <laughs> I'm the one who will always push for it because it gives you freedom to do a lot of stuff in your personal life that will reflect positively in your uh, working life. But we'll get there because I'm very interested into this aspect as well. Right now, I'm interested in how the office, how Diorama reacted to the early stages of the pandemic. Basically, the first day was like panicking, understanding how to manage this situation. Because I remember pretty clear, it was like a Monday when uh, they started closing everything. And so we were home, we couldn't move, we couldn't go to the office. And we said, okay, guys, we have a lot of projects ongoing. We cannot stop that how we can do this. And so the first reaction was like, okay, let's go to the office. Let's grab the computer, let's pack them. And then let's try to send them or physically with, with a car, carry them to each team members. Likely every one of them was in Milan. So we started, we went there with the car. We, everyone went there all with all the safety precaution, of course. But in one day with a big surprise, we were back online. So everyone uh, had his computer at the office. Everyone uh, was able to keep working on their project because luckily, even before the pandemic, we were a little bit obliged to work in a remote way. Consider that since the beginning, Diorama had an office in Paris and an office in Milan. And since the beginning, those two offices started collaborating in several projects. So we were obliged to have a shared uh, library, shared folders to work on, a quick way to distribute renderings, uh, images, uh, texture, everything, all the materials. So basically we were ready to this. The infrastructure to work remotely was already there in a different way, of course. And what we needed to focus on in the month after the pandemic was how to manage this team now. 
So we didn't have to care about the technology because that was already set up in the past. It was working. Even people that were in Milan before the pandemic, even me, when sometimes I said, okay, guys, tomorrow I will not come to the office because I don't know, I have the plumber that uh, needs to come to fix something. I was able to access all the file from, from home, from my workstation and, or from my laptop. And so everything was already there. And so I guess this helped us to really don't panic in some way because the project could have gone a little bit worse if we didn't have this kind of infrastructure behind. But at the same time, we really had to focus on, okay, now we have a team that is everywhere. How we start having discussion because we were used like everyone else, like okay, we have a meeting about the project in the meeting room. We see each other face by face. We draw stuff on a paper. And so those kind of stuff were the, the most difficult to manage at the beginning, like the, the relation between the team. These were the challenges of the first stages of the pandemic. I guess the situation has evolved a bit. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Luckily, yes. So is there any other step in time that you took to adapt to the new situation, you know, to the realization that staying online was going to be the norm for a few months, if not a few years. So probably you improved some things, some other things you dropped, you know, this kind of stuff. What did you change in the way that you work remotely since the beginning of the pandemic? The way we were used to work before completely changed for us. And this keeping to change every day. Because in the first year of the pandemic, of course, as I told you, we were trying to adapt to this new situation. So we were trying to find ourselves a way to do not uh, burn out because we were locked in, in our apartment with our wives, girlfriend, boyfriend, dogs, cats. Uh, every one of us was a little bit crazy in terms of uh, mental health. And this was a little bit worrying at the beginning because people were working a little bit more. They couldn't be able to manage their time. So they were super long in timing because consider that when you have an office, of course, you know better than me, you have been in some offices. There are some specific moments of the day that are moments when uh, people smoking a cigarette uh, outside, grabbing a coffee together. Even the lunchtime is important. Those moments are important to relax and to to try to not think about what you are doing uh, in terms of project, the deadlines, your body and your mind relax a little bit. Having people home, you didn't have any kind of control of them. So you needed to trust people that they were able to take pauses when needed to try to relax a little bit more. And so this kind of process also uh, reflect in the, in the way that we started also having some meeting like, okay, guys, now how we can replace in a virtual world, what we were used to do in the, in the physical world. So we use a lot, a platform called Slack for communicating. And luckily also Slack adapted to the situation. They, they created a new function called the huddle when you can just jump on this and uh, it's not like a call because you are not calling someone, but it's like a room you can enter and you can start chatting with people. So this kind of uh, technology that evolved behind us, we tried to integrate as much as we can, even starting using Zoom, Meets, all the shared calendar and all this stuff. Because at some point we even noticed that before the pandemic, we were really disorganized because everyone was there. So everyone was uh, one, one chair behind you or one chair on, on the left and you could ask them quickly stuff that 
in a digital world when you had to write an email or write a message or call him, it's a little bit more difficult to do. And so you are obliged to be a little bit more organized. You are obliged to have shared calendars with all the information there, with a really tight planning on uh, stuff to do, to do tasks and etc. So in this way, I can also say that pandemic helped us to grow as a company in terms of, of management because we were obliged to be a little bit more organized. This was the first year, 2020, 2021 was this kind of situation of uh, approaching new staff. Even the clients started, there was a moment in which we had enough of video calling. Every client we had was loving to have video call with us. And so that was so easy for them. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a dream for them. Yeah, we, we can have meeting any time of the day. So we're going to exploit this, of course. Exactly. <laughs> and so you also needed to find a way to explain them that is not so productive to spend one hour talking about something you can quickly sketch on a PDF like we did before. So it was also challenging to re-teach to our client, but even to our uh, collaborators that yes, video calls are cool, are fine, but you cannot abuse on it. You cannot spend eight hours of your day talking with a computer. That was a funny challenge we needed, we needed to, to face, I remember the first year. But as I was saying, the latest year was more about trying to make the step forward because we we finally implemented all this all the stuff so we finally know how to deal with them in the beginning of this year but even at the end of the the previous year between october november we start to say okay there is a new era that we need to go through and this is the year of freelancing this is the era of working remotely with everywhere because during those years we we have been through the moment in which a lot of projects were coming as i told you and we needed a lot of artists working on so we were obliged to find new artists online they weren't able to come to the office so we were obliged to work with them remotely it worked for senior people it didn't work too much for junior people i had a recent conversation with a friend of mine we discussed the same issue that it is easier for seniors and people that are already into an office and know how things work what's the style of the office for those people it's easier to work remotely while for new hires or junior it's a completely different story so how did you actually manage this aspect we sadly had to let go people that were super skilled unfortunately we had two junior when the pandemic started and after, uh, I, I guess, three, four months, they were knocking at the door, a virtual door, and saying, guys, it's not working for me. I need someone right behind me, right next to me, to ask things every single moment. And so we said, it's impossible for us to do it at the moment. And so we, we sadly had to let those two girls go. They were two juniors, but it was more like, okay, it's not working for both of us. We cannot teach you something remotely super, super hard. And you will not learn as fast as you will learn in a physical office. And so for this specific reason, I must say that uh, remote working need a little bit more of evolution and, and uh, understanding from uh, the young side, meaning the people that are starting this job. Because I guess even if I'm a big fan of smart working, a big fan of remote working, the physical connection you build in the first year of this or other jobs that requires to be in an office are super important to build something that is not technically uh, you super good in doing the 3D images or you super, it's, it's like soft skill that you develop when you are in an office. 
like how to deal when a, a manager gives you a feedback because you can see him in the high. So you can really feel that maybe he's giving you a hint. He's not saying to you something in an angry way. Whilst this in a written message can be really misinterpreted. Young people are scared about this, not because they are young uh, in terms of age, but people that are not used to be in an office. This, I have been in contact with people that started this job during the pandemic and for them was crazy, really crazy. I have a small sister and she started doing the university during the pandemic. I felt sorry for her because the best thing you build in the university days is people. The, of course, it's what you learn at the university, but it's the people, it's the, the group you build. And starting the university at home is, is horrible. But then after all that you told me, you will still keep remote working as a feasible model. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I want to dig a little bit more in, in to find a way to try to integrate people, uh, junior people at the office. We are starting to do this in the film department because at the same time, yes, we are a cloud office with no physical place, but still we have a place to meet in Milan and a place to meet in Paris when we can have uh, gatherings there. Most of the time, those are like management gatherings. So we go there to meet and take briefing and brainstorming about the planning and all this stuff. But sometimes we also open those spaces to new people that are starting to work with us, like saying, okay, you live in Poland. What about coming in Milan one month? You start working with us close to us. So you have your manager close to you. Your manager will move to Milan for one month to work with you. So you can build this relation and then we can have the next seven year, two years, one year, whatever you want by remote, you can go home. This is a, even a, a more feasible way to start building uh, remote relations. That's an interesting idea. I think, well, I see it in a bit of a different way. I understand the need of having the person close to you. There's something new to learn on each project. So yeah, I, I'm afraid that limiting this to one month could be not enough. And I think this is where most offices still have concerns about switching to the full remote model. That's the juniors. You know, juniors are, are a huge part of our industry. Schools and universities do not train artists to be production ready. So juniors have to take part into the office life. So I don't have the solution, of course. This is a solution like another. I think this could be viable for the Rama, could not be viable for other people. Also for budget reasons. Probably the Rama can afford to take people to Milan, have two people in Milan and have them working together. More than a budget reason, it can be a budget reason from some ways. It's more like a choice we made. I completely agree with you. One bond is not enough. But consider that sometimes is not the choice of the company itself. Sometimes that guy from Poland will not come to work with you for more than a month because he wants to stay home because he knows that he can stay home. And of course, for junior people, one month is enough. But at the same time, this month can be replicated during the year, maybe in some specific moment of the year where a specific project needs you to be there. But that month for us is more about, okay, let's try to understand this guy. Let's try to make him understand us. Let's try to build a relation based on personal reason, meaning it's not about technicalities during that month. You cannot teach this job in one month, of course, but you can make him feel a little bit more inside the team in that month. 
that you will not have the possibility if we will start abroad. So from one reason, yes, I completely agree with you. From the other reason, we don't want to be that kind of office that will close the door to people all over the world just because they don't want or they can't maybe, financially speaking, move to Milan because Milan is, is expensive. Consider even we have people and that's the beauty of remote working. Of course, we have new people that started with us after the pandemic, but we had all the team that we had before the pandemic that is still with us and they moved remotely. So we have people in Rome, people in Sicily, we have people in uh, Torino, there's me in Modena, someone is still in Milan because it was from Milan, people in Parma. So it's a little bit everywhere in Italy. And those people love the idea because at some point, when everything was uh, okay, we can go back to the offices, we asked to the team, what about now? What do you want to do? You want to go back to Milan? You want to stay home? And 80% of them said, okay, no, I want to stay home. Or maybe I don't want to come to Milan because I want to move to another city that I choose, not because of work, but for personal reason. So this kind of uh, flexibility, in my opinion, and luckily in Diorama's opinion, is much more important than uh, the way of thinking about the job in terms of, okay, if you have a, a traditional office with people in the office, it will work better. For sure, this is not our case. We are working better in this way. And for sure, each office needs to find the perfect solution that will marry with the vision. Videorama vision was always to be like a production house. And being a production house meaning having a lot of talent, not super specified. So those kind of people, we do not love to work with generalists because generalists are super good normally, but they are also people that tend to do not be able to work correctly in team. And working in team for us is the basis. If you cannot work in team, it's something that will be impossible to work with us. For a simple uh, three image project, we have five people working there. But we have people modeling, people texturing, people doing context, people doing lighting and shading, people managing. It's all about that. And so even you oblige 40 people to stay in a, in a single office in a city that half of them they will not like, even you open the door to say, okay, we can make it work. Of course, there will be the, the dark side of the situation that will be, you will probably end up and we are in this situation that where 90% of our team is senior artists. This is one side effect of this model that you need senior artists to make it work. But this doesn't mean that there isn't a solution for junior artists. It's just it's the beginning of this era. We cannot have all the solution now. It's all a matter of maturity of this way of working. Exactly. And I also think from your words, I understand it's a matter of vision, a matter of how you structure your office and the way that you understand, the way you conceive the profession. Because I think that in the Diorama vision, remote working probably was already ingrained in your DNA, so that could work already. But I cannot see this working for everybody. Of course not. Of course not. Or at least it will not work in the same way for everybody. Everyone needs to find the perfect way to match their vision. For example, there are several projects that I understand that can be tackled in a different way if you are physically with those people. We don't work too much with catalogs, for example, but in catalogs, there is a strong relation with the product itself. We even find a way to, to make this work. For example, let me make this example. We, we work with a client in Paris. They make textiles, luxury textiles. 
And of course, their goal is to depict those textiles as realistically possible. So in the traditional way, you go there, you see the textiles, you analyze them, probably they send you, they give you pieces of this textile, you start working with them. In our way, we have a texture artist in uh, uh, Lago di Zeo. She's a wonderful artist. Every time we have a textile to make, our clients send her the textile. She produces the textile because she were with us before she knows our work. So this period for her wasn't a one month period, but the period when she worked with us helped her to understand our process. So for her, it's super easy to produce that asset and send us. And we are pretty sure that the product is how we want and the, the perfect and the best product she can deliver to us. And this is the secret, trying to trust your team. If you have someone to do a pieces of your job, you must trust him that he's doing the best. And this is one of the biggest downside I've seen in the remote working nowadays. People were scared of having people at home because, okay, if you are home, you're not working. There are a lot of companies that are still thinking about working equals production. So you work for eight hours, you work for 10 hours. If you work for 10 hours, we will do more, of course. So if you start to think about your work, not based on your goals, but based on the fact that you have a mission to accomplish, no matter how much time you will take it, you will start to have a little bit more trust in other people. When I deliver something to one of our collaborators, I'm pretty sure he did the best for us. Of course, in the time he could be able to work on it. This is super important because it's, it's a small detail that I guess still today is blocking a lot of companies to start remote working. It looks like kind of a, it all starts with a vision. If you have people that are set up and they share your vision and they share some kind of values as well, so they will be more inclined to work towards a common goal, even remotely. So if you don't have a clear vision, a shared vision of what you want to be, or where the office wants to go, yeah, that's where it gets difficult, not just to integrate people, but also to keep the existing ones. And that's, that's the other problem with having all seniors in certain offices. That, that's not your case because all your seniors are very specialized in one task, as far as I understood. But most offices, the senior is the generalist that we were talking about. So they take the full image and they might be able to work independently, but there's this kind of being unlinked from the big picture, from being one thing only. And you get these images from these offices that are different according to the person that has done the image. So if you don't share one vision, one way of doing things, not technically, but artistically speaking, that's where most offices are afraid of going remotely. Consider two things that are super important in what you just said. First thing is that we never have been scared, or maybe it's just me. <laughs> I never have been scared of uh, having an, an heterogeneous output of our production, meaning that, um, yes, you are recognizable as a company and as an office for a style, a specific style, a specific language, a specific tone of voice. But at the same time, when you are a big company and you work with other people, those other people have different backgrounds. They maybe worked in other companies with different visions, different way of working. And so you can decide to do two important things. The first is the worst and the second is the best. The worst thing you can do is say, this is Diorama. You need to work in this way. We work in this way. You need to produce this. And so you cut their legs because all the experience they earn in the years 
it's, it's going into the trash because you are limiting them. You're saying, okay, from now on, you start doing things as Diorama wants to do. And this is stupid because why you hired a senior guy? So hire a, a junior guy maybe if you want to go in this direction. You will probably make him work in the way you want to work. But this is pointless because at the same time, you will think that you know everything about this job. And the second thing, the best thing you can do is say, okay, this is your background. But at the same time, you came to us. So probably we are sharing something. So when a freelancer comes to us or when a senior artist or when someone wants to be hired by us, at this moment is freelancing, they come to us because they like what we do. So they make a choice and making this choice, they are representing the fact that what we produce is something they like. And so probably it's really aligned to something they will produce by themselves. So it's easy to say, okay, we share this common ground. And then it's the ability of the team to say, I know that each single artist of my team is perfect for a specific task, meaning even a specific client or even a specific kind of job. I will not put X or Y on a specific project because a villa, there is Simone that is perfect for the villas. Whilst there is Alessandro that is a wonderful uh, post-producer and so he can make moods in post-production really quickly. So you even need to learn and understand your team to say, okay, you are good at it. I will put in a specific project where you will give the best. And together as a team, we will produce something that is homogeneous and will represent and depict Diorama creative vision. Sometimes there is no difference between uh, Art direction and creative direction. Those two things are completely different. You can art direct in a way, but at the same time, three different art directors can work under a same unique vision of creative direction. So once you put the pillars of your creative direction, it's super easy for any kind of um, artist, art directors, or even modeler, texture artist, uh, all kind of job of kind of task will follow really easily that creative direction. So it's exactly what you said before. It's to make clear the vision for your team. I guess what you're telling me is not something that every office should or could apply. But nonetheless, it's still very useful. It's not something that smaller companies like 10 people or 5 people companies could easily apply, of course. That would be... Well, in that case, you're more tightly connected. And then you still share a vision because you're already tight. But for slightly bigger companies, I think that's where it gets tricky. It gets tricky, yeah. At the same time, what I really envy to smaller teams is the fact that when you are small, you are really lean, you are really agile, you really work faster because you know each other. So you think really quickly on the same way. And for example, I see this in our reality uh, with the people that are there from the beginning. So the founders, Uros, the head of film department, we have been there from the beginning. So we know each other. We share the same ground level. So it's easy for us to understand just a word or a phrase to understand something. And this is really important because nowadays we have less and less occasion to work together on a project because maybe we need to wait for the project where still images and films are involved. And even there, we have so many things to do, like managing the other teams and all the production that we don't have too much time maybe to spend on uh, brainstorming of that specific project. So we try, of course, to do this as much as we can, but of course, smaller team 
have the the chance to do this every single day every single hour even and this is really cool this is really cool but as you said it's a choice there will be bigger office that become like more uh, pass me the term that is not so cool but a factory so something really structured and smaller offices that will be more like a bottega so something really artisanal where everything is really perfected super polished and this is cool so of course i'm not saying that our solution will apply to other companies i'm not even sure that our solution will apply to companies for the same background the same size of us because uh, as we said it's all about the decision you take every day but for sure it's super important to start discussing about this discussing about the fact that people that freelancers in Italy and in Europe are a big resources of our job as they are in other domains. Speaking of freelancer and resources, I want to move to conversation on something that is more practical actually, which is two aspects. The first one is the practical advantages of switching to the to the full remote model because so far we talked about how people feel uh, that the 80% of the people of in your office decided to go remotely because they enjoyed it more. But on the logistical aspect and financial aspect, what advantages did you see in switching to this model? Technically-wise, of course, the first big advantage is that you can really scale up your production quickly. Meaning that, of course, the underside of having a stable team means that you, of course, you rely on those people. But you also, when it comes to planning, you try to saturate your team and then if you need more you will go out and search for freelancers when you start thinking about the production in a more flexible ways you are able to think like about a balloon you can inflate and deflate really quickly this month you can have 10 projects ongoing with 10 different freelancers the next month you have three projects you can work with two freelancers and you are sure that those people are not there, as we say in Italy, turning their thumbs. They are working maybe with other companies. They are doing different things. They are working, maybe they are taking their vacation. They are more free to do whatever they want. And so this opportunity to be flexible is at least something that must be taken in consideration when it comes to a kind of job in our domain that is really depending on the market. You remember during the pandemic, half of the project stopped because there was a problem in architecture, no more uh, competition and all this stuff. For example, during the pandemic, the restrictions in Australia were super tight. They weren't able to go out, they needed to order food, but for a long time, even when in Italy we were super free to do stuff, they were super locked down. Our clients suffered from this. So for several months, we didn't have any feedback from them. So we didn't have any project from them. How you manage this when you have a, an in-house team of 50 people with no job for them? What you say? Uh, guys, let's go home. Guys, let's do all R&D project. It's not affordable. So for many reasons, the idea of being a remote office was there in our minds. But there was also this practical reason to say, okay, we saw that being a little bit more flexible, we were even a little bit more able to guarantee to our team the constant flow of work and to free them to say, okay, guys, it never happened, luckily, but let's imagine tomorrow we have just two projects and 30 freelancers. We are pretty calm to say, okay, guys, I'm sorry, we don't have any work in this month. 
but they will for sure say, okay, I have other 10 companies I collaborate with. No worries. See you next. Because it's working like this. Every time we have a new project, we have a pool of contact. We get in touch with each of them. Of course, we also have a fixed team. All the production team, all the management team, these people that work for us every day, the modeling team. We have some pillars that we cannot remove at the moment because if not, you will end up in two months with no people at the office. And if everyone is busy, you will not work, basically. It's uh, an important balance of giving people the freedom to do whatever they want with other companies and with other clients. Some of our freelancers, they work just for us and then sometimes they take their personal client. They don't work for other companies, for example. We have other people that work for several companies. So maybe we have the chance to work with them once or twice in a month. It's completely fine because, of course, as I told you before, we try to assign the right project to the right guy, but maybe that right guy is not available at that moment. But you need to be as much as flexible to have two right guys, three right guys for that specific project. That's how we manage now all those stuff. And what about the people that are embracing this model? You told me just before that many people are very happy to be freelancers rather than in-house production artists. The answer is in the world itself, freelancing. You're freelancing, you're free. You want to be free. You want to do whatever you want. You want to be able to say, okay, guys, next week, I don't want to work. Let's talk, for example, <laughs> there was a moment in which we started to work with Neom, this big thing in Saudi Arabia. You heard of it probably. And so we started producing a lot of images in the desert, desert mood, desert mood, desert mood. So <laughs> at some point, I remember this day that when I was talking with one of our guys, I said, Masi, I need a break from desert. <laughs> I need two weeks working on boring architecture, please. Because you can do the best job. But if this best job repeats at the same way every single day, it starts to becoming boring for you. I think the fact that people are more free to do different stuff, not better, not worse, different. They give them this fresh mind that I really see that when... Uh, we do not collaborate with someone for once, two weeks, and they come back to a new project. They feel refreshed. I see the first day they start in this project, they have brand new ideas. They are super galvanized. I think it takes a lot of effort, actually, and be mature enough not to be jealous of your artist, you know, because it would be easy to say, well, if you're working with me, even as a freelancer, if you work with other people, then you're taking away time from my production, you're taking energy off my production, so you'd rather not work for anybody else. I want to move towards the end stretch of this conversation with something that is completely different and it's a bit even more technical. We talked about infrastructure earlier. Could you tell me what did you add to your infrastructure to adapt to the remote working? What did you adapt? What did you add? Uh, in which ways you adapted the infrastructure? We were mentioning a really interesting cloud service. Yeah, and I'm happy you mentioned this because it's uh, something that I really care about. It's like one year that we are using their services now and uh, it's like a game changer for us. Those guys are uh, a Swiss startup. It's called Helio. And they are providing something that to me was uh, the first time they get in touch with me was like mind blowing. It's a simple, but at the same time, revolutionary idea. Uh, what they do is to take idle servers, meaning that in the world, 
probably in Switzerland at the beginning, now I guess all around the Europe, there are a lot of companies not related to Archivitz or CG in general, but there are companies like uh, the Power Company or the Barilla in Italy, they are using servers. So a lot of those computers will stay on while the factory are closed or the offices are closed. So all this computational power is there, not used. And there is an electricity consumption at the same time. So what they think about is to say, okay, let's grab this computational power. Let's create a network out of it. And we use this computational power as a render farm. So what they provide is a, not a render farm, but is a cloud service when you can render in cloud your images or your animation or whatever you want, but in a different way than using a render farm or your personal render farm. Maybe there are some companies that they have their own render farms. We had some computer at the office in the past. We never had a big render farm. I don't know how we did it, but we never had. We had like four or five computers, not so many. But I know a lot of offices, they have their own render farms made of 10, 12, 20, 15, 100 nodes sometimes. And those things make a lot of noise, a lot of uh, heat. They use a lot of power, really a lot of power. This is not good for the environment. And this is a single use, meaning that you use just for this specific task. So being in touch with a company that allowed us to say, okay, you will have more power because they give you more power, like a lot of nodes. I don't remember how many, but a lot of power, a lot more of speed in production. And at the same time, you know that that power is used in a really ecological way. So it's sustainable at the same time. It was super interesting. So we get in touch. We were their first beta tester for V-Ray. I know they were working at the beginning with Brick Visual in Hungary, but they were starting developing just for Corona rendering. So when we started the discussion, we are an office still based in V-Ray. Don't ask me why. <laughs> so we started this discussion saying, okay, your, your idea is super interesting, but we use VA, how we will implement. So they proposed us to be their beta tester. And in one year, we started developing everything uh, with them. They did the same with other companies. And now they have a, a full functional product that works perfectly for us in V-Ray and Corona and 3ds Max. And we are able to decuplicate our production, meaning that if before one option was, okay, let's send this render on the machine we had in the office. So you were obliged to have an office where the machine are located. You were obliged to have someone sometimes to go there, update the, because yes, you can do it remotely, but if the power goes off. In fact, during the pandemic, we even started to, in an artisanal way, find a way to turn on computer remotely with like smart plugs, with Alexa. And so we started to, to think about crazy stuff to be safe because the office was like a wasteland where nobody wanted to go. But yes, those are limits. So when they say to us, you can free up yourself from having computers, from having uh, big workstations, and you can rely on a single cloud service. We were super interested. Of course, there are several other uh, solutions like Chaos Cloud, something like this. But still, the fact that this is like a custom-made solution for us was a game changer because we work also with the fashion industry and we make a lot of design for them, uh, meaning that they use us as a previous company to see how the show will look. 
when you are in the design process, you probably end up with 10, 20 options of the same thing. And imagine just rendering 20 of the same thing on your machine, or yes, you can use the queue, you can use whatever you want, but still, if you have the possibility to send them on cloud and you have them back in half an hour because each one of them is rendering in different nodes, yes, you can do in render farms, you can tell me, but at the same time, you will spend a lot of more money. This service is based on subscription. You pay your subscription and you render whatever you want. It's not related on the amount of work you do because they are not buying computer. They are using other computers. They are renting them. And so they are able to scale up. And this idea of scaling up, as you may notice, even when we are speaking on uh, technological stuff, you need to share a vision. And their vision is to be able to let you scale up quickly. And this is something that Dioram is really relying on because if tomorrow we have 10 projects or 100 projects with their solution, we are able to scale up really quickly and render 100 projects at the same price of a 10 project or two projects. Any other technical aspect that we could mention, like for example, servers? or a way to connect remotely that is outside the typical AnyDesk or TeamViewer? We tested everything. <laughs> we started with TeamViewer. There was some limitation. We started with AnyDesk. At the moment, we are using Google Remote because it's really quick. But we have less and less computer to connect with because at the moment, we are in a situation where actually Diorama doesn't own any computer. Every freelancer has its own. Some of their computer, of course, are from Diorama, but it's like they were given to them. This is your computer, use it. It's not belonging in an ecosystem. Uh, we learned in the years to set up a server, a VPN, and all this stuff. So we did this by ourselves when we were in the office. Now we decided to hire a, an IT company that supports us with a call center. So if any freelancer have a problem, they can call this IT service and they, they will solve the problem for them. This IT service is also taking care of what we call the tech onboarding. What you mean with tech onboarding? Of course, when someone new arrives, and in our case, every week someone new arrives because they are freelancer, we need to be sure that we are on the same page, meaning that first thing we need to be sure we are working on the same softwares. Those software are licensed because we want to work with people with licenses software to avoid any kind of problem and because it's right. And um, uh, we work a lot on Dropbox. Every single file is on Dropbox for us. So every single file is online, accessible everywhere. And we rely on Dropbox even we also have NAS and servers, but they are slow and they are not really quickly accessible from mobile devices. So as for the management team mainly, it's super easy to, even for me, for example, I'm taking the bus or something and I need to send a preview to a client or I need to send a file to someone else. With Dropbox from your phone, you can just select, copy the link and send it. So this is quick. With NAS and servers, this is a little bit tricky. So Dropbox is super important for us. You keep your shared library on Dropbox as well. We have the shared library on the servers. So it's a little bit more slow to connect with because you connect with a VPN on it, but you still have access from everywhere, even from a web page. 
but those kind of files are not things that you need like in 10 minutes. And more than that, even here, maybe this is the worst thing to say, but we never had an organized library and probably we, we will never have. We never had the time to build a structured one. We have our library is super confused and super messy, but at the same time, we rely a lot on the libraries that the freelancers have. And we tend to be more like supportive in terms that, okay, you are missing something, we will provide you, no worries. We can buy a new library, we can buy some new Max trees, we can buy that specific sofa, or we can search on our library if we have it. But it's not like, this is Diorama, you use our library. You have your own library, fine. You don't have it, we will give you ours. Even here, maybe it's laziness. Probably 90% of this is laziness. But 10% of this is just in the spirit of letting people be free to use their assets that are optimized for their workflow. But you know, I'm convinced that <laughs> if you're lazy, you're usually more prone to find quick solutions to solve problems. <laughs> That's it. But yes, those three are the, the important parts of Diorama ways of working remotely. But I guess those can be a really nice hint for people or for companies that still didn't make the full transition to remote, but being sure to have all your files, your important files on cloud is, I guess, fundamental now. You really need to rely on a cloud service that gives you speed and access and uh, safety. Uh, if you remove for accident a file, it must be restored really quickly. And this is a super good way also to send previews to your clients. I'm not saying anything new, but I still see people sending things via WeTransfer that it's a wonderful service. But once you send a WeTransfer, the file I sent you is that. If I send you the link, I can keep updating that file and you will keep uh, seeing an updated version of it. So if there is a, I don't know, a mask that fucked up in, uh, in Photoshop, you can write me, oh, sorry, there is a mask fucked up. Okay, sorry, updated, reload the link. The image is already there. So it's a, even a, a smoother way of communicating with our clients, with our collaborators. You can easily share things. Even here, don't be so jealous of your own library, of your own, even all your own skills. For example, I'm a big fan of post-production. I hate 3D <laughs> and I spent two years working on post-production, post-production, post-production. All the team members gave me images. And so I always wanted to know more from other people's uh, workflows. And so... Uh, we are still used to organize moments in which, okay, you come from, I don't know, that specific office. Uh, can you show me your process? Because I will learn probably something and I, will, I can give you some hints. So as you can see, we are looking for people that are not so jealous. I think we said a lot of interesting stuff and I hope this stuff is going to be useful to somebody else, even though company sizes, company values could be different, but still there's that tidbit of information here and there that could help people working more smoothly remotely. So I thank you for all the time that you spent with me tonight. I wish you the best. I just wish you the best for your future endeavor and for your work at Diorama and everything that you want. Thank you. Thank you, Federico. It's really good to still have people that really take care of uh, sharing, sharing information and sharing thoughts and having this discussion in this nice format of podcast. We are a visual world and we are probably super distracted by visual things. So taking the time to listen and uh, focus on the world is maybe super important. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you from my side, my personal side, and thank you from Diorama side. 
everyone was super happy to share our bit of stories and our bit of things. And I can also tell that everyone is interested in digging deep on, on this. You can get in touch with me or with you and we can jump in a, in a call, we can jump in a Zoom, in a, in a meeting. I'm super eager to keep the conversation going because I think what you're doing with your project is to spotlight some important uh, arguments that are um, really nailed because it's two years that are, people are working remotely and there are just a few people that are trying to understand a little bit more like you did, trying to dig deep, try to evaluate the pros and cons to give the new generation of artists, let's call it like them, a clear path. Yeah, aside from the podcast topics, you know that it's a broader thing, but for this topic in particular, I think it's pretty important, especially in our country, in Italy, where people are, you know, they have a kind of a prejudice against remote working and smart working. But anyway, thank you again. I'll let you go for tonight and talk to you soon. Hopefully in person, since we are really close now. You're in Modena, I'm in Bologna. Yeah, yeah, I, am, I must show you some spritz in Bologna. <laughs> Gladly. For sure. See you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Ciao. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting app. If you like this episode, help us growing and improving the show by rating and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Got a question or is there something you would like me to cover in a future episode? Write me an email at podcast at bigpicturevisual.com. Thank you again for listening and see you next time.